Okay. Hey everyone, my name is Sean Pitcher. This is episode eight. I'm your host of Roots Podcast. Today we have on Kathy Tillery, is that correct? Yes, that's correct, Sean. Okay, awesome. Um, she is a sports dietitian at Life University, which is a NAI school. Um, how are you doing today, Kathy? I'm great. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Um, so one of the big reasons why I wanted to bring Kathy on today is, you know, being at an NAI school, she's doing a lot of big things there that you might not see at some of that, um, those levels um, with athletics, especially with nutrition. Um, she also has a clinical background, so we're going to kind of go into that a little bit more, how that essentially has helped her as her transition into sports nutrition. Um, but before we get to that point, you know, first thing I want to ask you is, can we dive in and dig into a little bit about who you are as a person? Who is Kathy behind being a sports dietitian? Sure. Let's, let's go. So go ahead. There go ahead and give the audience. Go ahead. Me. All right. All right. So you want me to tell me about you, tell me about me, I guess. Um, yes, absolutely. Okay, so, a little bit about you. All right. I always say I'm an older dietitian. I've been in the field for um, 20 plus years. Um, I have multiple experiences over that time. I went um, to the university of Georgia to get my undergraduate degree did my internship at Vanderbilt University and then kind of switched gears. And because I was interested in so much of the sports, went to Georgia State for my master's in exercise physiology um, with, with a really emphasis on sports nutrition. And at the time I was going through, there wasn't very many sports nutrition programs, if at all, and very, very few in the field. So I feel like it, it really gave me an opportunity to explore um, just a different avenue of nutrition, of getting into that exercise science part of it. Um, since then, you know, once I got my master's degree, I, you know, dove back into the clinical side, working in both the hospital setting, outpatient setting, in a renal dialysis clinic. I've worked in inpatient um, eating disorder clinics, and um, both inpatient and outpatient here recently. Um, in the recent past over at Northside Hospital. And, and one thing I want to kind of go off of there is we, I talked about it with some of our previous guests is, do you feel it was beneficial to get the master's in exercise physiology to kind of match your background nutrition or, or how has that maybe helped you like after you got beyond that point? I feel like it absolutely has been helpful for me. Um, again, at the time when I was going through, there wasn't any of the internships, fellowships that you see these days in the sports nutrition field. And so it gave me kind of a leg up to understand that connection of what the exercise science model was, you know, what these athletes were doing when they went out and exercised and getting that, you know, their VO2 max, and those type of testing data to really integrate the nutrition into how the body works. So I, I feel for, for anyone in the field, I think it's a good combination to have that exercise science background as well. Yeah. And I can definitely relate there from, from my background. Like that, that was my kind of next opportunity coming out of my undergrad was to do kind of a dual graduate assistant position. And that was kind of my first job was strength and conditioning and, and sports performance. Um, because even when I came out, there was still not a ton of fellowships or internships or GAs or all these, you know, all these jobs we see popping up on the CPSDA now. So, you know, mm -hmm. even, even in my sense, it definitely helped having that other avenue to go down, you know, if nutrition wasn't going to be readily available, you know, at that time. Absolutely. And I think it helps to be able to talk the lingo 
with other professionals in in your field of or or outside the field of nutrition to be able to understand when you know exercise physiologists or kinesiologists are talking about these different aspects you you understand it from that that point of view too yeah you always get a couple surprise faces because they're all of a sudden they're like oh i thought you just know nutrition like i didn't know you knew stuff about this and you're like yeah i know a couple of things <laughs> yeah it is it is it's fun and that helps to build some credibility real quick which which is always important mm -hmm, definitely um, so we kind of go back to the, your clinical side, how have you felt that's been a benefit as you transition from that clinical setting into a sports setting? And then what may have been some challenges going from clinical for as long as you were in it to then transitioning to sports? I think, you know, the base of, you know, nutrition for me has always been, like you said, the clinical aspect of it. And I think so much in, in schooling for me and being specifically at a teaching hospital was so much of the clinical aspect. But I find for, for what I do with the athletes, there are all type of um, things that come up of diseases, diabetes, you know, uh, not so much, their kids are young, so they don't really have the heart disease, the cancer, but being able to understand lab values and understand different allergies that they might have or different metabolic processes that they may be struggling with. Um, I know we had one athlete this week that, you know, was waiting to get cleared because she has a sickle cell trait. So understanding that clinical background of, yes, these are high-performing athletes, but their health does come into play. So how can you integrate both the health aspect into their sports performance and teach them how to eat for performance, but also to eat for, you know, possible issues down the road with their health. Yeah. Just, just overall long-term health. So that way, mm -hmm. you know, why it's kind of like with, um, uh, Lauren Link, like with her book, you know, after being an athlete, it's like, you're going to have to fuel a certain way and eat a certain way, like while you're an athlete, but like, we need to have these habits and skills and behaviors for after that point. So you have the ability to then transition because like, once you're done being an athlete, well, the risk for a lot of things may go up if you don't continue to keep eating well, exercising. Again, the, the two real basic things that we have to do pretty much our entire life. But if we don't hone on them and be able to teach them how to manipulate that as they transition in and out of, of sports, it could be, I mean, I'm sure you've seen a lot of athletes coming out of sports or even myself when I came out of sports, it's like, do I want to keep all this weight on? Do I not want to keep on this weight on? How do I lose it? Because I've been used to eating, you know, double the amount of calories that I need to eat now. Oh, absolutely. Is is that transition out of sports is really difficult of, you know, I'm not doing as much with my body. So what does that, what does that look like for my eating? Yeah, it, it can definitely be tough. It can go both ways. You can go the one way where it's like, oh man, I put a bunch of weight on. I don't know why, or it's like, all right, I know I'm, my activity is going to go from 15, 20 hours a week to five hours a week. And I'm mm -hmm. going to have to adapt. So I don't get yeah. in position. Definitely. Um, if you had, let's say interns or fellows, like let's say they tried sports nutrition, it's just maybe not their cup of tea, right? And maybe mm -hmm. like clinical is, is the route they'd rather go down. You know, what's maybe some advice for those who on the early stage want to go into it? Or we also know a lot of times, you know, sometimes sports dietitians may leave sports nutrition and, and want to have still a nutrition career, but maybe do something a little bit different. Mm -hmm. You know, what advice kind of would you give for kind of both ends of those spectrums? 
Sure. Um, I think going from, I'll take, I think the hardest one is going from like sports to, to clinical. Cause I'm, I, I definitely prefer sports over clinical. So I'll, <laughs> I don't know why anyone would want to go, want to go back that you way, but, know. um, you just never know. I think with clinical, it's, it really comes down to lifestyle. You're counseling these, these people, these clients, these patients into a better, healthier lifestyle for them. It's not as say sports specific or, you know, fueling specific, it's more, how do you make changes in your lifestyle of to, you know, whether it's weight loss, whether it's diabetes, whether it's heart disease from the outpatient setting or from an inpatient setting is you're really helping those that really feel bad. And you can make maybe an, from an inpatient an immediate impact on, you know, how they're feeling in the hospital or what they're doing. So I think, you know, if you're not finding sports as as you know, lovely as you wanted it to be clinical is, I think it's the base of, of nutrition. And it's a, it's a good building block for, for any, anything that we do in nutrition. Now for the, those going in, go ahead. No, you're good. Go ahead. I'll ask now, I was just going to say on the other end of going from clinical to sports nutrition, you know, I always, even though I had a clinical background and I worked so much in clinical, I was always on the backside doing sports nutrition one way or the other. A lot of that was done for free. A lot of that was um, networking. And a lot of that was just, you know, my time of trying to get into the field or being more knowledgeable about the field, but I did it on my own in addition to my clinical. And, and I could definitely say there, <laughs> with some <laughs> professors and, and other dietitians I've talked to, most dietitians have their hands in probably two, three or four different things. Absolutely. Um, at, at one time, you're you could say you're a sports dietitian, you could say you're in clinical, but there's probably several other things going on in the background that most people don't know about because we just like to work on a lot of different stuff and kind of be diverse <laughs> and, and kind of put ourselves out there when it comes to that. Absolutely. Um, you know, kind of one last question about clinical until we roll kind of more into the sports nutrition side. Um, did you find it was really challenging outpatient versus inpatient being able to really make the change that you wanted to just because of the amount of visits that you could possibly get the patients to come in for. Or I can remember from my clinical, when I had that during my rotation, just like, I feel like I saw someone for 15 minutes, they got discharged and then they're gone. It's like, mm -hmm. did I really make a difference there? Like maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I, I definitely feel you on that one because I felt so much, especially in an inpatient setting, I did not make a difference because like you said, you were in that room for 10, 15 minutes and you're doing the best you can, but they don't feel good or you don't have the, the time to really sit and get to know them. So I felt, I always felt like on an inpatient setting, you were just almost checking off boxes, you know, doing what you can, but there wasn't um, a lot that you saw maybe from a follow through because you never saw these people again. Outpatient was a little different. Um, it all depended on really, I think the, the person that was coming, whether they were really committed um, I always felt like three visits was like the, the max that most people came from an outpatient setting is they either got it and, you know, didn't really, you know, you, you taught them what you needed to in those three sessions. Um, and then, or they were too embarrassed because they weren't doing and following through. And after that third session, they're like, oh, I'm just not ready for this. Yeah. It's like a lot of times I remember even talking to some of the clinicians, it's like, you could have two to three months in between 
seeing him again. Like, all right, I met with him 45 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever the time frame they allow you for like insurance. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, I'm not going to see him three, four months again. It's like, there's really no ability to follow up and keep them consistent and, and, and check in with them. Like, that's what makes it super challenging to come back. And it's like, you hope they did something, but you're yeah. almost shocked. They didn't do anything because they didn't have enough time with you or they don't have the relationship with you. Like you would in a sports setting. Cause you're around the athletes quite a bit. Right. And I think that's the, um, the difference with the sports, especially at the university setting that I'm at is I get to see these athletes every day. So I build a rapport and there may be some days that I never talk a word about nutrition. I'm just asking, how are your classes? How are your workouts? You know, how's life? And it's building that relationship and that rapport with them so that when they're ready to talk nutrition, I have that that trust built with them. Yeah. They don't want the food police. (laughs) No, they do not. No one wants to come in and be like, oh God, he or she's going to tell me to eat a piece of broccoli today. Like, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And I think that was, um, I think for any dietitian, that's what we get, but coming in at this level, not having a, a dietitian on the sports side before, I think that's what a lot of people thought. Yeah, I know. And that, and that was crazy. I mean, when we had our first conversation, um, was you're like, Oh, we have a fueling station. And I was like mm-hmm. a fueling station at an NAI school. Like, I'm like, that's literally unheard of. I go, there may be some out there that, but they don't get a lot of lines, you know, spotlight or we don't really know about them. So you know, how did you, how did you tackle that and accomplish that? Like at that level of collegiate play? Cause I don't know who else, is anyone else is really doing that. Maybe besides a couple random D2, D3s. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, you know, I have to say that at the university, I've had such support from the coaches, the athletic director, and from the strength and conditioning coaches. Um, everyone on the, 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 the team has been so receptive to me walking into this position And it became kind of my baby of with these, you know, I call them kids, um, is they just don't fuel the right way. And some of it has to do with the availability of food. And, um, you know, coaches were coming and asking me, how can we get them more food? You know, what do I feed them after practice? They're so hungry. So luckily enough, we were able to start with a very, very small budget, but at least a a small budget nonetheless to, to get something up and running. Um, I think we could have been in committee for, you know, still be in committee about it, um, of trying to make it work. Instead, we just said, you know what, let's just go with the little that we have, get it up and running and see how it, how it goes. And the reception from the athletes, from the coaches, from everyone has been so great that we're just looking to, to grow it now. It's been really exciting here. Yeah. That, and that's fantastic. Cause I, even I can think back to myself, like I was a division three athlete and I was like, Man, I, I mean, pretty much what I had to do is like I had two meals a week or like a day. Like I had a breakfast uh-huh. and a dinner and I had to literally bring Tupperware into the facility with me to take extra food and extra snacks because mm-hmm. I couldn't afford like the three days, like the three meals a day meal plan. And then mm-hmm. I had a little bit of money like in retail that I could use, which that's what I use for lunch. And it's, and yeah. it's like relating to like these lower levels, like some people even have to work a job on top of being an athlete. I mean, I had a teammate that would, would go to work at, you know, five, six o'clock at night after practice and work till 12, one o'clock in the morning, sleep four or five hours. And like, that was his uh-huh. day for like four or five days in a row on top mm-hmm. of all the other stuff he had to do. So it, it can definitely be, you know, a grind and, and very stressful, you know, in comparison mm-hmm. to 
some of these, you know, really large SEC schools or, or division one schools where, you know, like the food is almost plentiful, like step in whenever you want and you can get whatever you want. Right, right. Very, very different. But just like you said, I see athletes that um, because of cost, they are not able to afford the, you know, the three day meal plan. They might only have, you know, two meals a day or the ones that are working the night shift because they have to have money to pay for school. Um, so it, it has become important to, to get them those extra food. But for me too, and a big proponent of the fuel station for um, the athletic director and myself is the education behind it. It's teaching them, hey, yes, it's free snacks, it's free food, but there's some educational pieces behind this of, hey, you just came from workout. Well, what do you need? What does that look like? And being able to walk them through and have those conversations where they don't, you know, I'm getting the education and they may not really know that I am, but I'm, I'm getting those words out. I'm, you know, stressing those carbs or those proteins, pre-fuel, post-fuel. So it's, it's, it's been really great. Yeah. If they know, like, I need to have a banana and a shake, or I need to have a banana and a chocolate milk afterwards, regardless yeah. if they don't know like why it's important, if they just know they need to eat afterwards, you yes. they had a huge win at the end of the day. Uh, my favorite is, and the ones that have been coming for a while and I have a new one come up and they'll be like, oh, okay, well, this is what you need. We just worked out. Like you said, you need, you know, you need the, the shake and you need the fruit. And I'm like, yes, they're getting it. Yeah. And then, you know, almost getting the athletes to work for you because eventually, eventually they'll be like, oh, you need to go get a snack afterwards. Like they're delicious mm -hmm. or like, oh, I feel so much better when I come in here and have something after I'm done. And yes, when you, again, free food spreads like wildfire at the end of the day anyways, but <laughs> right. <laughs> But you can get more of the athletes to spread the word. So like if you don't have that voice among some of those teams, someone on that team is mm -hmm. going to be that voice for you at the end of the day. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's helpful for me because there we have over 600 athletes and I'm the only one, I, you know, I'm the dietitian. So I can't see all of them all the time or be at all of the practices. This gives me a face for them to know that I'm going to be there. I'm, in, I'm there to ask questions or just to check in with. So let's kind of speak on that because I know depending on the level most dietitians are at, like you may have that situation where you're the only one, you have 600 athletes, and then you may have, again, the higher levels that may have seven dietitians. I think Nebraska has something crazy, like 12 to 15 dietitians. Um, you know, how do you, how do you manage that? And then how do you kind of set your standards where I, I can only do and be so many places? So how do you kind of communicate that to the athletes and the coaches? And then what are you then able to do since the ratio is so crazy. Yeah, it, it's funny you say that because that's been a work in progress for me because jumping in, um, I've only been here for a year and jumping in, I wanted to do anything and everything um, for these athletes. I wanted to be everywhere, but quickly learned that, you know, I couldn't be at all the practices. I couldn't, you know, be all over and meet with every single person on every single team. It's just not possible. Um, so really learning that the difference between, I'm not a department, I'm not a you know, sports nutrition department. I'm a service that they can come to has been a big mindset change. Mm -hmm. And then really focusing on, okay, where am I best suited for, to get the message out for these athletes? And I found one, the fuel station was a key because it gave me, as we just talked about a face, it, it, they knew where to find me. They know where to come look for me and I'm giving them free food. So they love that. Right. Um, and then working with um, a priority of those athletes that really need to come. If a coach really feels like, okay, 
this person is not having enough energy. They're, they're just, they're cramping. They're, you know, having issues with performance. Then I'll see those kind of go to the front of the line um, of delegating, you know, who I see and who I don't see, but it's still trying to make time for, you know, trying to hit one practice a week for those sports that are in season. What, what advice would you give, you know, dietitians out there that are kind of in that same position you are when it comes to like trying to build out a fuel station, like trying to get interns or GAs, like what are some tactics do you use to get, get support from the necessary staff that's has control of the budget or has control of a lot of those different decisions? I think it's really, don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to speak up and don't be afraid to kind of push it a little bit. Because I, I, again, I think with this fuel station is I really pushed it of, hey, what can we do? They had wanted something in the past. So the desire was there. The motivation was there. They just didn't have anyone to lead it. So to take charge of the project that you want to do and you may not have all the resources. I would love to have it bigger and better and opened all the time, but something is better than nothing. And I think going in with that mindset of I'm leading the charge, I'm going to start with what I have and build it from there. And then hopefully you get, you know, a lot of support from the athletes, you get a lot of support from the coaches and then, Mm -hmm. then it becomes, you know, multiple voices in the conversation to, the athletic director, or again, the person who possibly makes those bigger decisions. So you're not, you're not the lone wolf in this case, just me over here barking. Like we need this, we need that because it's going to help the athletes. It's like, well, if I got 80% of the coaches coming at me and Kathy's coming at me, well, probably this is pretty important for everybody and not just one or two sports. And I think they've seen a, a positive with recruiting is they can use my services in the fueling station as we stand apart from other colleges. So they've been able to use my services, the fuel station as a point in recruitment for these players of we have this over. So it brings an added value to the program. And for any young dietitian or dietitian that's starting to look is how do you add to your program? And I think that's a big, that's a big thing with ADs is what value are you adding? Yeah, absolutely. Like, well, how, how is this going to make us better? And, it's, and especially if you can get some type of data from that, I mean, mm-hmm. even just some simple numbers, simple percentages that have shown improvement or increase in something, even if it's performance or you use the strength and conditioning coaches, like has their numbers increased there, like any right. of that information that essentially is information you can't lie about, like it's factual, um, right. it's only going to help kind of benefit you. And I really like the point you said in the beginning. I mean, I tell a lot of people this. I told my interns that I had to hear this before they left, you know, because they were kind of hesitant with applying for jobs. And I was just like, you are never know. You're never going to know if you're going to get that job or get a call or if, if you're going to be good enough for the job. If you don't apply and you just don't try. The worst right. somebody's going to say is no. OK, great. Send your message. Thank you. Appreciate the time. Appreciate you mm-hmm. considering me. Move on to the next one, because eventually somebody's going to say yes. At the end of the day, it just may take longer than most people or it might just take just be longer in general. But mm-hmm. the worst thing you can do is get defeated by one or two no's. And then all of a sudden, like, ah, nobody wants me because this field is just crazy. And it is. you got to take a lot of risk. Sometimes you got, you got it takes a lot of applications and a lot of tries before you, you get someone to, to put their faith in you. And you have to kind of jump in. And even though you you're looking at that application thinking, oh my gosh, this is, I'm so over my head. Okay, well just, you know, go for it and figure it out as you, as you go along. 
and sometimes, you know, you're, you may not ever be ready. <laughs> right. You know, it could be a GA or it could be a fellow position or it could be assistant position. And you've had a bunch of internships, but their environment, their coaches, you know, what you're going to deal with there just may be totally different. And mm-hmm. you may not be 100% prepared in every place that you're going to go. And that's just going to be reality, unfortunately. But mm-hmm. if you have the base level tools in your toolbox, right, to work yeah. with, and you can communicate, you can ask questions. For the most part, you're probably going to be fine. You just need to mm-hmm. ask the right questions to figure out what you need to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think dietitians, and especially in the sports nutrition community, we're so good about helping other dietitians, um, and especially new ones of, hey, I'm struggling with this. Have you seen it before? Mm-hmm. Which I, I, it's very beneficial. I know I've had to reach out to other dietitians just to get advice from, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's just building the rapport with other people. Yep. And the more you can build your connections and your network, right. You never know who they know. And it really doesn't matter what piece of the puzzle, whether it's strength, leadership, athletic training, everybody knows somebody in another discipline that could essentially Mm -hmm. get you to somebody else to help you. And, you know, like you said, whether it's at a conference, just going up to someone, introducing yourself, ask a couple questions, or just hit people up in their DMs and Instagram and stuff like that. I mean, that's crazy to me because I mean, I'm sure you can think back like back in the day, it was like you had to send a letter or you had to formally call them or, or write a formal email. And, and now it's almost yes. kind of gone to a little bit, I don't want to say impersonal, like you still have to be professional, but mm-hmm. you know, hey, I'm just gonna hit you up on Instagram and like, hey, this is who I am. Like, can I ask you a couple of questions? <laughs> It's so much easier, so much easier. Yeah, you're not having to wait for a delayed response. It's just like, it's instant. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so you talked a lot about, you know, your coaches and, you know, you said your strength coaches, which are other people kind of in the sports department, um, give you a lot of support. Can you kind of talk about, um, you know, how you work as an interdisciplinary staff um, with the team that you work with right now? Sure. Um, and I think with, you know, we have so many different sports here at life. I think we have probably about 20 different, different sports and each sport is a little bit different in what they need from me. Um, some coaches feel a little bit more, um, push me a little bit more. Some coaches feel like you know, they have a good pulse on their, their own team. But as a general, I try to make my rounds with each of the coaches. Uh, again, it's about building relationship. When I show up at the door, I'm not always talking about their athletes. I'm not always talking about, you know, the latest and greatest nutrition article that I just read. It's more of, Hey, how's your day? How's your team? Do you need anything from me? And so for me, it's really about relationship of, you know, making my rounds through all the different offices, um, checking in with them. What can I do to help? Is there anything that you're seeing on your team that I can discuss? And having that open dialogue where they feel comfortable coming to me whenever it may not be when I show up, but they always have a, that buzz in their, their ear that, Oh, Hey, Kathy came by. Um, I do have something. And I do find that the more often I stop by something usually comes up. Yeah. Cause they see your face and it's like, boom, <laughs> they all of a sudden remember like what they were going to tell you. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I have a, a great story to kind of, to kind of go off of that. So one, one of the strength coaches that I work with, worked with at IMG, um, he knew one of the former strength and conditioning coaches for uh, the New York Giants. Like mm-hmm. back when they were winning a lot of Super Bowls, when Bill Parcell was there, 
you know, and me, myself, and a couple other individuals met, met the guy at a Crackle Barrel <laughs> and had like, had like a two hour group conversation, right? Um, uh -huh. one, one of the big things that really stuck with me is he said every time the athletes came in the weight room, or even if it was on the practice field, like he went to every single athlete individually and just said, mm -hmm. hello. He goes, Hey, how you doing? He goes, if I at least did that, like that, he goes, that was my goal every single day. He goes, whether we had a long conversation, short conversation, or whether it was just high, I wanted them to know that I was there for them and to help them. Yes. And, and then I partnered that with, there's another strength coach. I think, I believe he still works for the, the Falcons. Um, but I watched him at a conference at Sorenex. And one of his things he did with the athletes was he would like fist bump everybody. Mm. And like, that was his, or that was his way to like, like instead of talking, it was like a nonverbal cue that he did with every person to kind of almost check their body language to see how they're ready for the day. So yeah. I kind of melded those two things when I was IMG. And like, I did that with my athletes and my coaches every day. Mm. And even the support mm -hmm. staff, it's like, I went to every person, even though it may took more time, maybe it took something out of my day that was more of a priority. It made mm -hmm. that much more of a difference to them to know I was there mm -hmm. to then provide mm -hmm. more receptiveness to, to try to, to know that I was there to help them or to be able to be open for questions or to go to a practice and knew, let's say once or twice a week, I was hundred percent for sure going to come watch them, see them have a conversation on, on some level. And, you know, it makes a tremendous difference. Like it's a night and day difference. And even if you just come say hi to somebody and you even only get to know them, I've had athletes even just respond to me in that way. Like you came to me every single day and you said, hi, no one did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's that relationship because if I'm only showing up when there's something nutrition to talk about it's almost kind of like being sent to the principal oh here she comes again she's going to tell us the same old thing i'm not eating enough vegetables i need to eat more broccoli or whatever but if i show up all the time and they see me then they're more receptive sometimes they just want literally want your presence there yeah, <laughs> like absolutely. if you're over there in the field and you're like waving i'm over here or like you just kind of sneak up there to practice and you're standing over there they it's uh -huh. like a lot of them just know Oh, hey, yeah. hey, Kathy, saw you were at practice the other day. Like, that's cool. Appreciate you coming out. Yeah, they, they feel like you're invested in them mm -hmm. or in their team. And I think that goes a lot further when you're trying to get your message across is they know you care. And if they know you care, then they're more receptive. And they know they're, they know you're there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're, not just, exactly. you're not just hiding in an office. You're not just hiding behind some door and you know, you come mm -hmm. out like one hour a week to see them. It's like, yeah. Right. Um, so a couple more questions that I have, um, you know, could I about like eight to eight to nine minutes here? Is there okay. anything you feel in the field of nutrition that needs to improve, needs to get better? Or is there anything you feel that we could do as a collective group of practitioners to help progress things forward? And that could be as a whole, that could be how can we progress lower level schools like D2, D3, NAIA schools to add a consultant or add a dietitian on their staff? I think it's, it's really getting our message out that we're not the food police and getting that message out to, to all the levels of different schools, the NAIA, the D1s, the D2s, the D3s that, you know, the, the smaller schools that rely on maybe their coaches or their athletic trainers or their strength and conditioning coaches. Well, that's our nutrition person, but really as a whole, 
to get it across that, no, we do add value. We are the experts in nutrition and we're there for, to help their performance. And it's not just, it's not just, you know, I'm the snack person, I'm the food police. Yep. We're not just smoothie makers. We do a lot more. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. A lot more than peanut butter and jelly and smoothies, right? How, How do you, how do you tell then those individuals that are interested in maybe some of those smaller levels, like, how do you get the budget to do that? Or like, how, how do you, how do you even create something? Like if nothing is there at all? I, yeah, I think that's the hard part. Um, you know, doing this a long time, I've done a lot of free stuff. And so when they don't have the budget is being willing to put yourself out there to say, you know, introducing yourself and Hey, I'm available to talk to your players. Um, you need some advice. I'm, I'm willing to come out there and, and give a talk. Um, you know, just doing the things that you can for them to see that you're willing and then talking through as they see value of, okay, well, maybe if I start consulting with you, then let's go as a consultant for a while. And then, okay, maybe some, this is getting a lot. So maybe some part-time or full-time. So it's going to take some time um, and a lot of investment in your own time to get that out for those, those programs that, that don't see the value in it yet. Is, is there anyone that's a higher priority to reach out to over others? Like, is it reach out directly to a coach, reach out directly to an AD? Like what's kind of the, the safe spot to go so you don't overstep, but then also still try to like inch your way in there? Mm-hmm. I think some of the grassroots, to be honest with you, I think, you know, starting at that coaching level of, um, of getting them involved, um, going to the athletic director, I think as the point person is, is probably the last person I would too big start of a with. First step. <laughs> yeah. Too big of a first step. I think it's, you know, interacting with those, those coaches, um, at a, at a lower level of, you know, this is what I can provide. This is, this is what I can do. You know, how can I help you? And a lot of coaches, especially at some of these smaller schools, I'm finding out they do a lot of travel, um, or extra coaching on the side. Yeah. So finding out, okay, well, do they have kind of a side hustle with doing camps and what can I do for them for that camp? It may not be associated with their school or university, but if you can get in from kind of the side angle, um, then they can start talking you up to the AD, the you know athletic trainers and really getting that pushed through a little bit. Yeah, because if you, if you can get in with the community, or if you can get in and there's, you know, some parents that have a lot of power in that situation, you yes. know, some of the decisions can get made pretty quickly and swiftly in your favor, Absolutely. especially if you Definitely. impress the right person. Right. Right. So it's, I mean, you have to always be on, I think a little bit of when you're in the sports world of, you know, making sure I tell all my interns is make sure you're well-read, make sure what you're telling them is you know, evidence-based research. Um, it's not what they're going to find on, you know, some random blog, some random YouTube, um, of someone that's not credentialed, make sure what you're saying is solid nutrition. And that's going to go a long way. Yeah. Do something to help yourself stand apart to to show that you're not just the norm, that you're going to make a difference day one (laughs) coming into that situation. Absolutely. All right. So kind of to wrap up last thing I wanted to ask, um, who are maybe two to three people, and it could be dietitians, it could be, you know, practitioners in, you know, multiple different fields that you've worked with, whether it's um, 
in baseball, whether it's clinical, who are like two or three people that you think people should reach out to people should look them on Instagram or if they have podcasts, social media, you know, that, that you feel that would be, that would get definite information from and, and learn something from right away. Oh gosh. Um, that's a hard one. I know there's probably so there. many. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, honestly, I love the CPSCA, um, organization, you know, the college and professional sports diet. I think that is one of the, there's so many keys in that one, but I think that's a good place to start for anyone that is not real familiar with the sports nutrition field in general, that wants a, a leg up because there's, there are so many different opportunities, so many different conferences. Um, and then depending on where people are, you know, choose the sport that you're really interested in. And so like being in Atlanta, if I'm really interested in baseball as a sport, I may start at, you know, some of the local travel, you know, East Cobb around here, the Astros is a really big travel sport that leads into collegiate level. So talking to coaches on that side of it is, um, you know, looking into that or some of the bigger schools. I know um, Jana at the University of Georgia has been a big help to me of just leading the, the cause of going from small, she's gone from small to a, a big organization and what that looks like. Um, so I think those would be my, my, my biggest kind of go-tos. I know they're, they're not really names right there, but um, at least a couple of locations to, to kind of get started. I think any resource is better than no resource. And yeah. I mean, if, if you really take the time and, and look into some of the resources that CPSC does have, um, you're going to get at least one thing out of it, or there's, again, yes. there's plenty of people on the listserv that ask questions every day. You can ask a question, you can reach out to them. Typically they have their contact information on there. Um, mm -hmm. so that's always a good first initial start for someone kind of coming into the field. And then, you know, one thing I've always done is every time I get to a location, like I'm just reaching out to every sports dietitian in the area, right? Like mm -hmm. I went and visited, you know, Collier at university of Georgia for football. And I visited Georgia tech. You know, and I've, I've tried to visit a couple other locations, right? We met, you know, you came to my yep. facility, we had a conversation mm -hmm. and, and I kind of brought you through there. So, you know, you know, especially if, I'm, if we're going to live in a location for a certain period of time, I think the better that, you know, the dietitians in the area, the more they can help you, because for the most part, they've been here two, three, four years, they're going to know the landscape a lot more than I am coming in a few months in and could definitely Absolutely. give me a lot of advice and a lot of tips and and things that I could use to try to jumpstart questions that I have um, mm -hmm. rather than remaking the wheel because <laughs> right, it takes right. way more time. Absolutely. It does. Definitely. All right, Kathy. Well, I really appreciate having you on um, everybody. We will put Kathy's information, her bio. Uh, if there's any specific way that she prefers to be contacted, that will be down in the anchor Apple podcast um, and also on Spotify. All of my information down there as well for my content information um, and everything about myself will also be located there. So if you have any questions, concerns, want to DM or reach out to me, um, definitely do that. Kathy, appreciate you. Have an awesome day. Thanks, Sean. Really appreciate it.